And welcome to A Penny for Your Thoughts. I'm Jim Turpin. I'll be here until 11 o'clock this morning. This first hour is an open line wherein uh, you can uh, call in uh, questions, uh, comments. You can call us at 356-9397. You can text us at 351-5357. That's the Castle Heating and uh, Cooling text line. So we have an open line going up until 10 o'clock. Then after the 10 o'clock news, a conversation with John Foreman. John is the editor emeritus of the News Gazette, and he'll be here during the second hour. I've got a lot of things to talk to him about. John's been with the paper for a real long time. They recently had a retirement reception for him. He's had many, many different jobs at the Gazette. We'll talk to him about uh, that, a little bit about the changes that uh, have been made in the paper since uh, he began, and maybe a little bit about uh, fake news and social media and those kinds of things, and a lot of interesting topics, I think, and you're invited to jump in the conversation. And we'll also talk about the state of the state, Illinois, I'm talking about now. What comes next? What's what's his opinion about uh, how things are going or what uh, should be done? His comments about uh, the division in the, in the country, the fight with ISIS. Uh, then talk to him a little bit about the Champaign and Urbana, the University of Illinois. He's been here for a long time and is kept close track of uh, what's going on. If, if I made him king for a day, what improvements would he hope to make in the community? So that's the, the second hour. The first hour this morning is uh, on a variety of topics. This is day 34 in the search for the Chinese scholar. Yesterday, a federal grand jury indicted Brent Christensen on several charges, including kidnapping. Now, if he is convicted of kidnapping, he could face up to life in prison. Talk about uh, some of the happenings here in the last uh, few days and when the trial dates are and those kinds of things with uh, the, uh, the police and the FBI and others that are involved uh, with the the. 34th day of searching for this young woman. Mary Shank reports that deliberations are expected to continue today in the Pyatt County murder. Uh, this is a murder trial of a man accused of killing and raping his wife uh, 27 years ago. 
And a Chicago man is being held at the Champaign County Jail in connection with a home invasion happened over on Paula Drive on Monday. Governor Rauner making uh, dramatic changes in his staff after losing the budget battle to Mike Madigan and the Democrats. President Trump, as you just heard on the news, is in France. He's attending the Bastille Day celebrations. He will also mark the 100th anniversary of America's entry into World War I by visiting U.S. troops. Trump was seen bowing in prayer earlier back in Washington during an Oval Office session with evangelical leaders. The president is downplaying his son's meeting with Russian lawyer, saying everybody would do that, meaning if you got the opportunity to talk to somebody about something like he did, it's so mixed up you never know exactly what happened there, but uh, he didn't think it was. uh, In fact, he applauded his uh, son for uh, the transparency. Attorney Alan Dershowitz, haven't heard from him for a real long time, but he says former FBI Director James Comey should be rebuked but not prosecuted. Multiple sets of human remains were unearthed from a 12-foot-deep mass grave on an isolated Pennsylvania farm. Authorities continue searching for the bodies of four young men who disappeared last week. Well, the ESPYs were on last night. I don't know if you I watched them a little bit. I was switching back and forth between the ESPYs and something else. And uh, the NBA champion Golden State Warriors were named the team of the year. Russell Westbrook and uh, Simone Biles won the Best Athlete Awards. The Icon Award went to longtime Dodgers announcer Vin Scully. One thing about the ESPYs, it's, uh, I think it's a, a, a very good show, and it brings up, well, they talked about uh, uh, Eunice Shriver and, and uh, all the things that uh, she did with regard to getting the uh, Special Olympics going, and, and there's a lot of good things there. And then most people are dressed, it's that kind of an occasion, but here comes Russell Westbrook. He's got on sweatpants. It's like he just came from a workout. And he is the athlete of the year. And uh, several other people. Uh, one guy was dressed in in a tux. He had a, a tux jacket and uh, and a shirt and tie. Looked fine. But he had shorts on with it. So I don't know what's up with these people, but... Anyway, the it didn't uh, detract from the from the show, and at uh, Wimbledon, Roger Federer is the only one of the big four left on the men's side. Andy Murray lost to American Sam Querrey. Sam, by the way, is the the one who beat uh, Kevin Anderson earlier, and uh, Novak Djokovic retired in the second set because of an injured elbow. This was in a match with uh, Thomas uh, Burdick. And Rafael Nadal, as you know, had been eliminated earlier. So 
We thought we might have the big four in the in the semifinals, but it turns out it's only one, Roger Federer, who has won at Wimbledon a lot of times. Anyway, uh, those are just some of the headlines. Maybe uh, you would like to talk about Harvard. There's a panel in Harvard that recommends banning fraternities and sororities. I wonder what the people over at the U of I think about this. Fraternities and sororities may soon be a thing of the past at Harvard. A faculty committee has proposed getting rid of them and other single-gender social groups. Their proposal, which was released yesterday, said the efforts to stop the pernicious behavior by some members of these groups have failed. The recommendation is largely aimed at Harvard's exclusive all-male social clubs that have been blamed for problems with sexual assault and alcohol abuse. The committee's report said in order to move beyond the gendered and exclusive club system that has persisted and even expanded over time, uh, something new is needed, one that is rooted in the appreciation of diversity, commitment to inclusivity, and positive contributions to the social experience of all students. Reports said the proposal is also partly a reaction to stories from other schools of hazing and other alcohol-related Greek life deaths, such as the recent death of a Penn State student from alcohol-related injuries he suffered during a fraternity pledge night. Reports said the committee's deliberations were carried out under the shadow of tragic events relating to hazing and excessive drinking at other campuses across America. The recommendation is, in part, intended as a preventative step. Well, what do you think of that? That's at Harvard, but uh, the Greek system at the University of Illinois is uh, is a big one. One time was the, the largest. don't know if it still is or not. But uh, that would be quite a, a step, wouldn't it? They've got these, these men's clubs. I don't know exactly uh, how that works, but these all-men social clubs have been blamed for a lot of the problems, evidently. All right, there's just some of the things to talk about today. Who's going to be first? What do you want to talk about? Any of those things appeal to you, or do you have something else on your mind, a question or a comment? Call me at 356-9397 or text me at 351-5357. If you have something uh, that you would like to share with others, now is the time to do it. Let's go to Scott. Hello, Scott. Hi, Jim. Your last story about Harvard, and that kind of reminded me of one of the headlines on the front page of the News Gazette today, where they brought a speaker into the U of I that was speaking to the need to hear freedom of the speech versus safety and the psychological and physical well-being of the students. And Harvard's faculty statement saying that we need things that are going to be more inclusive and, and, and celebrate diversity, that's all true except when it comes to thought. And you better not think differently than the faculty and the progressives. Because if you do, (laughs) 
they are going to violently protest, and they will do everything in their power to shut you down. And it's very dangerous. It's, I can't, it, it's, it's staggering to me that we've reached this point now. So it's uh, freedom of speech, uh, except when dealing with the faculty. Is that it? Well, it, no, it's freedom of speech unless you don't agree with the progressives. If <laughs> yeah, you're, right. You know, if you come in and you say that you've got to work hard, cream's going to rise to the top, that apparently is a racist statement now on a lot of campuses. And I just, the commitment to hard work, the commitment to other ideas and being able to engage in ideas and defend your ideas is a critical part of learning to be an adult. And we're, we're not, a, we're shielding, we're, pro, we're almost prohibiting a lot of our students from that. And I find it really disturbing. I see your point, Scott. Uh, it's a good one. Thank you. Appreciate it. Yeah. I'll tell you one. I'm taking some of the calls here in just a moment, but I read uh, someplace where they were fearful today that race may enter into the semifinals at Wimbledon. The reason is that uh, there is a uh, African American woman, Venus Williams, wonderful uh, player, an American, who is playing a a, a white woman who is from Great Britain. And, uh, of course, that's where Wimbledon is. And somebody had the audacity to say this. You know, all these people may be cheering for the the woman from Great Britain, but uh, they, you know, they shouldn't do that because we have a African-American playing on the other side. How stupid can you be? Eric is next. Hello, Eric. Jim, I agree with you, and that last caller was a pretty smart guy. I wish those callers would call in more. And uh, the comment you just made, how stupid is it? Well, it is stupid, but that's maybe not the correct word. It's where our society's going. You know, it's exactly what that last caller was talking about. If you deviate from the progressive agenda, your name called. You know, Mm people want to congregate around you, call you names and protest and call it free speech. And uh, moving right along, that guest you had on yesterday, I almost predicted he was going to do what he said. When the subject of cannabis came up, he didn't even know how much money the taxation raised in the revenue stream for Colorado, yet he belittled it. That's his field. He didn't even know the amount of money it raised, yet he wanted to belittle it in a I state he, like I ours. I thought he said that uh, he had some percentage there. Was that not on uh, cannabis? It was, oh, uh, he was talking about gambling when it was only... Yeah, you know, he lumped it in there. To, and it, yeah. You know, although they do share some similarities, they're, they're... Come on. Gambling doesn't furnish the kind of money... I just had something emailed to me today that they legalized. It went into effect, finally, cannabis legalization in Nevada. And there was such a hubbub of activity of purchasing it that the governor or whatever, the state governor, had to declare a state of emergency. <laughs> had to shut them down, huh? For a well, while. I'm telling you, there's a revenue stream there. And, and I'm not really bragging on that as much as this attitude prevailing in Illinois that 
the problems are intractable, and they're not. They fixed them in Wisconsin because they, I think they need to change the Illinois state constitution is what they need to do because those union people that got those pensions going, that half of them are illegal to begin with because they got raises at the end of their tenure and got a pension based on that, uh, need to be, those people need to take a haircut, which is what investors call that when they get a 5% reduction. <laughs> a haircut, huh? That's what that's called. Okay. That's a technical term. Mm-hmm. And uh, we need to confront this like adults and reduce the spending and create new revenue streams. Mm-hmm. I'm not kidding you. And I'll tell you that Pritzker is, you get him in there, and he's another Dem, and we're going to just finish the problems that were started when the Dems have been in there. They did it to Detroit, man. I used to live up there. Those people will spend their way into bankruptcy, and they think because it feels good and everybody it sounds good, they think it's a good idea, and it's not fiscally prudent. And... I'm I'm just tired of that guy that was there yesterday. Was a supposedly he wrote a book. He's supposedly a smart guy. He didn't have a thing to say, if you ask me, that was pertinent to the current issues, which are we're in a death spiral right now. Okay, I appreciate your call, Eric. Uh, we'll uh, uh, see if that goes anyplace. I don't think that uh, we've had much uh, conversation about that uh, over in uh, Springfield. And Eric is uh, convinced that, uh, and that other states have proven it, particularly uh, Colorado, that you can, uh, the state can make some money doing that. Uh, Tony is next. Hi, Tony. Hi. I, have, I hate to agree with Eric because I usually don't, but that guy you had on yesterday, I agree. He, he said that marijuana would be like a little effect on the state, and I totally disagree. But then Eric just said that the Republicans, basically he said, you know, every state that has marijuana is a blue state now, okay? Nevada, Washington, Oregon, California. So if we're up to the Republicans, the moral issue is going to come into play. But I didn't really call about that. What I want to call about <laughs> okay. is, is this. Are you listening to the Beatles channel on Sirius XM? I don't think I've turned the dial except when you're on since it's come on. It is great. And then there's a TV show that you'd love too. That's a four-day documentary it's called The Defiant Ones on HBO, and it talks about how this Jimmy Iovine, who's produced everybody from the Beatles to Eminem to Dr. Dre, how him and Dr. Dre made that Beats headphones that all the kids are wearing and sold it for three billion dollars. But it is a great documentary, and if you like well, music what, at all, uh, what channel is it on? Uh, Serious? I haven't. I, I know I have not listened to it. Well, the Beatles channel is Sirius 18. 18. Beatles channel every day. And then this Defiant one is on HBO. It's a four-day documentary that I think you would absolutely just love them both. And my last thing I wanted to say is, have you seen the cover of Time magazine this morning with Donald Trump Jr. or is this red-handed? No. What's the uh, – is it just a picture of him or what is it? Yeah, it's just a it's – it's a great cover. Um, and I don't. I'd like to know if Eric and those people like him think that Time Magazine is fake news or not. But uh, it's got a picture of Donald Trump Jr. and it just says red-handed. 
That's a great cover. I haven't even seen the story yet. Okay. <laughs> All right. Oh. Well, thank you, Tony. Appreciate it. Listen to that Beatles channel. Every, I, I, well, I will. Thing, I, I think about you. I yeah. listen to uh, Sirius uh, every day, and I I like uh, a couple of uh, channels especially. I, I'm kind of into uh, Broadway uh, musicals, too. They have uh, a lot of that on. In fact, <laughs> a lot, uh, 24 hours a day, like all the other channels. But I have not uh, stumbled onto the Beatles channel yet, but I will. You say it's 18? Yeah, 18. One of the things I like about it, like last weekend they had Ron Howard, who was Richie Cunningham, um, have an hour special on his favorite Beatles songs, and he gave a little explanation of what it meant in his life and how he came to like that song. It's just a fun station, and um, they play little videos of Ringo and Paul um, just talking about the station. So, yeah, it's a great station. Appreciate it. Uh, thank you, Tony. Nine twenty-five. Quick break here, Jim. We need to take one, don't we? This first one of the, of the hour. But uh, let's uh, get that break in. We'll come right back. This is Penny for your thoughts. I'm Jim Turpin. This is an open line until uh, ten o'clock this morning. Then we'll visit with uh, John Foreman of the uh, News Gazette. The Editor Emeritus of the Gazette. Talked to him a little bit about uh, oh, a lot of things. His uh, his career, things going on uh, in the media these days. And uh, you're invited to, to call and uh, ask him uh, questions as well. It is uh, 9.30, a time for the news headlines with uh, Brian Barnhart. We'll be back with more of our open line on the Penny after the news. This is Penny for Your Thoughts. I'm Jim Turpin. 356-9397 is our phone number. Text me at 3515357. Bill uh, sent us a text that says, Oregon wants to decriminalize meth. If the state wants to make money off the backs of low-income people by taking things that they're more likely to buy, like cigarettes and alcohol and gambling and drugs, why not legalize and tax prostitution, says Bill. Well, I don't know if you saw the um, News Gazette yet uh, today, but there's a big uh, picture of uh, Brent uh, Christensen on the uh, front page, and it talks about the wording of the indictment, willfully and unlawfully seized, confined, decoyed, kidnapped, abducted, and carried her away, and otherwise held her for his own benefit and purpose. The federal grand jury handed down the indictment yesterday, two days before Christensen was due back in federal court for the third time in 12 days. That hearing has been vacated, and the former U of I grad student will be arraigned at 3 p.m. on July the 20th in Urbana. And the young woman has not been seen since June the 9th. Authorities reiterated Wednesday that they presume she is dead based on the facts presented in court and court documents and other facts uncovered during the ongoing investigation. Then along with that uh, is a story written by uh, Jeff D'Alessio and uh, Marcus Jackson, which uh, tells in some detail what has uh, happened up until uh, now. 
And uh, I don't know about you, but every place I go, people are uh, talking about this and wondering. One of the questions I hear all the time, I have no answers. I, I, you know, all I know is what those of you that follow closely know. And that's what uh, has been said officially, what has uh, has occurred. But we still, people still have questions. And the one I hear the most is, well, if this is the guy that uh, did it, they think he uh, did it, at least they indicted him, uh, isn't he the one that knows where she is? If she is dead, isn't she, he the one that knows where the body is? Why, why can't we find that out? That's uh, one of the questions that, that people uh, are asking all the time. And, and I know that authorities are working on this uh, around the clock. The news that arrived yesterday about 4 o'clock wasn't what many in the community had been hoping for. 34 days after she was last seen, she still has not been found. And the U.S. Attorney's Office repeated what the FBI had said the day that Christensen was arrested, that she is presumed dead. Patrick Hansen, acting U.S. Attorney for the Central District, said, This determination is based on facts presented in court and in court documents and other facts uncovered during the ongoing investigation. Ask about the scope of the search and her photograph being removed from the Most Wanted Kidnappings and Missing Persons page on the FBI website, Springfield-based Bureau spokesman Brad Ware declined comment. From this point forward, he said, the U.S. Attorney's Office will be the only agency uh, commenting about the case. Christensen is uh, 28 years old, remains in the custody of the U.S. Marshal Service at the Macon County Jail. Denied uh, bail last week in his second appearance before U.S. Uh, Magistrate Judge uh, Eric Long and is due back in the courtroom at 3 p.m. July 20th for arraignment. A preliminary hearing scheduled for Friday has been vacated. Few new details were provided in the indictment issued on Wednesday with much of the information revealed about the investigation stemming from the June 30th affidavit of FBI Special Agent um, Anthony uh, Maganaro. And it goes on to talk about uh, the indictment and talks about when he was under surveillance uh, outside uh, Cranert, uh, the Center for the Performing Arts. Christensen allegedly explained the, quote, characteristics of an ideal victim. He was allegedly captured on a recording picking out other potential victims at uh, same at that same public vigil held the night before his arrest. Authorities taped Christensen on another occasion, describing how he kidnapped the young woman, carried her back to his apartment, how she fought and resisted against him, and how he restrained her. 
He threatened another person involved in the case to whom he provided incriminating information, and authorities did not say who that person was. Long said the evidence against Christensen seems strong, adding that certainly indicates to me a danger. So if uh, any of you that have been uh, talking about it at your coffee clubs and when you people get together and uh, wondering what uh, has happened, what are some of the questions that uh, that you would like to uh, know the answers to other than the, the big one, of course, is if indeed she is uh, uh, dead, where is where is she? Where is the body? I know a lot of people are talking about this, and uh, we're on the outside, and authorities uh, can tell us on, only so much. And uh, But we still wonder, don't we? Uh, Rick is next. Hello, Rick. Hi, Jim. Um, I was, uh, maybe it'll come out later, but uh, if they can uh, tape him or hear him while he's walking around in that Cranard march and so forth, um, there seemed to be a, a young woman with him. I wonder if they had a wire on her and, uh, you know, if they somehow wired uh, inside of his place or his car or something, how they heard uh, or taped him on the other statements that he had to say. Maybe that will come out later, but uh, there obviously had to have been a, a wire planted, uh, you know, at at some point for them to get those things on tape, it'll be interesting if that ever comes out how they did that. That's uh, Those are very good questions, and uh, I have no answers, as I said, but uh, those yeah. are some things that the people that talk about. Yeah, I wonder yeah. what kind of uh, devices they use to uh, to pick up the conversation at uh, Cranert uh, the night of the uh, of the walk. Well, uh, yeah, I mean, he's he, he was kind of in a crowd. Uh, I think the video showed him walking with some uh, young lady, and I mean to to be able to bug someone like that while they're they're moving around outside. Um, I'm like you; I have no idea how they'd be able to do that unless they had a wire on her. And I wonder if she was the one that was threatened uh, later once he found out that she was bugged. It'll it'll be interesting to hear if we hear later how that was done. I appreciate it, Rick. Uh, thank you. Uh, Cindy is next. Hi, Cindy. I know you said you don't have the answers, <laughs> but um, what I don't get is with today's technology, I don't think they're going to get the answers from the criminal, is why can't, you know, uh, copter flyover, heat-seeking camera, uh, you know what I mean, any any place in Champaign-Urbana, there's, you know, he lived across from Kaufman Lake, and I jog around there, and I... I just see so many areas where somebody could have dumped a body or tried to bury it or whatever. It's like, why don't they use the technology they have? Maybe and, they maybe they are using technology. I, I don't know. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. I just kind of feel like we should at least be aware of them trying to find her. I guess that would make me feel better. Yeah, well, the, all I can tell you is that they are uh, working, and uh, at one point uh, there was a a story about uh, certain uh, bodies of water that had been uh, looked at, had been uh, divers went down and so on. I, I believe that's uh, accurate. And uh, so I don't know. Uh, the other thing is, too, that uh, it wouldn't necessarily be in 
in this area, you know, somebody sure. somebody could have taken her who knows where, you know. Oh, yeah, that's true. That's gross. Yes. Hey, thank you, uh, Cindy. Thank you. Bye-bye. Right to 356-9397. You know, understanding the basics of budgeting and saving and monitoring money doesn't always mean you're in control of your spending. Here are four reasons why you break your budget from Busey. This is the ideas are from Busey, not uh, the, the idea of how you break your budget, but they are forfeiting. Uh, well, let's uh, start it with the, there's one down below here. I'll just start right at the beginning. Forgetting the future. How about that? Leave emergency savings for emergencies only. Instead, make room in your budget for discretionary expenses. And uh, another, rewarding yourself too often. We do that, huh? Scale back on the impulse purchases and save money ahead of time. And another one, mixing mood with money. You're spending money when you're happy and positive, when it's easy, easier to remember long-term financial goals. Bad home equity habits. Don't think of your home as a piggy bank. Be smart about your home equity loan or line of credit. Only borrow what you really need. Manage your finances uh, whenever you want, whenever you're with Busey's mobile and online services. Their banking tools include Busey Money App, Busey Text, Finance Works, and Busey Bill Payment. Regain control of your finances with Busey. Visit Busey.com. Call 1-800-67-BUSEY or stop by one of their many convenient locations today. And we go to Victor. Hello, Victor. Hello. Yes, sir. Go ahead. Uh, well, back to what you were talking about. Uh, uh, I missed out the last 30 seconds or so. Hold on, Victor. About, Do you have your radio on? Yes. You need to turn that down. We're having a little uh, feedback here. There, you, there you go. Now, go ahead, please. Well, only I only wanted to raise a question. It used to say that you couldn't convict anyone of murder if you couldn't find a body. That's all I wonder about now. I wonder if, any, if there's any comment on that. And I'll, uh, I know that you don't have the answer, but someone might comment on it. That's all I have to say. Thank you. Well, I, I think uh, that that is accurate, but uh, kidnapping. Kidnapping is a federal offense, and he can spend his life in prison on a kidnapping charge. Oh, well, I, I didn't think about that yeah that's uh that's a big one all right all right thank you victor appreciate your call sir and we go to uh steve hi steve good morning jim i had to step away from him for a moment but i guess you still are talking about yin yang yes yes uh, i don't know if it's come up because i did have to step away for a few minutes but my question has always been that it was my understanding that uh, this guy had a roommate uh, do you know that to be true? Uh, yes, uh, there there was a uh, a roommate. I, I don't know if the roommate was the person walking with him during the walk uh, that, that the uh, community had that uh, night or not. 
Oh, the uh, the female. Yeah, they identified her as a girlfriend, I think. But well, but, maybe that's uh, maybe that's the roommate. Yeah. Well, my question is: is clearly that person would uh, have some answers, some questions to answer as well. I mean, and I haven't I haven't heard anything about uh, you know anything like that about questioning the person that stayed with him, or you know they haven't been identified. Which maybe that's a privacy issue. I don't know. But, but don't you think that's strange that there hasn't been more said about the, the other half of his apartment? I mean, if he had a woman in there against her will, there'd be no way that they were unaware of it. Yeah, I'd uh, I would have I would guess that uh, that uh, person has been interviewed along with uh, hundreds of other people. Sure, and, uh, they haven't uh, haven't uh, given out those names. They're not likely uh, to do that unless they you know somebody turns out to be a witness or something. Right. And and uh, the only other thing, too, is that it's sad, but I've thought for a while that, uh, you know, being that this guy was such an academic, you know, and uh, I just wonder if this just wasn't some really bizarre experiment. You know, it just it's sickening to think about it. But some people, you know, it's like where you see the Hollywood actors that just, you know, burn themselves out to the point of death because they can have anything, they can buy anything, they can go anywhere, and they just run out of ways to get that adrenaline going. Uh, I don't know. I just, uh, it's quite interesting. Yes, it is. Appreciate your call, sir. Callers, hold on. I'm coming right back. I need to take a break here. And uh, back to the phone we go for Richard. Thanks for holding on, Richard. Oh, no problem. Good morning, Jim. Uh, I want to propose uh, a modification to our our Constitution, the amendment that says that our government is prevented from imposing cruel and unusual punishment. And what um, what triggered this thought is the situation with this young man. He's He's sitting smugly in jail, having uh, confessed uh, in some kind of communication of the horrific uh, behavior he has uh, shown this young woman. And I believe uh, the Constitution should be modified to allow, uh, prior to guilt being established, the use of uh, whatever means necessary, if they are commensurate with uh, what we know about the crime, and we know quite a few facts about it, to obtain informa- further information in the prosecution of this case. Uh, I think this guy ought to be under water torture, you know, something to, uh, you know, the family is suffering and, and her friends on campus. Uh, I, and I don't think that's out of bounds with, uh, with social justice. I, I really don't. And, and that's my comment. Yeah. All right. Uh, thank you, Richard. You're kind of breaking up there, but uh, I, uh, I was able to hear uh, your uh, suggestion. Uh, let's go to Ken. Good morning, Ken. Yes, uh, there are a few circumstances where you can prosecute somebody for murder without a body. Okay. What uh, are there? Uh, one of the examples I remember was uh, somebody throws somebody off of a ship. Well, you know, he was seen throwing, you don't have the body, but you have the, uh, you know, the person's dead. And if there is clear, the way I remember it, there is clear and convincing evidence that the person has been murdered, uh, blood stains, uh, 
I know they, I'm sure they've gone over that car with a fine tooth comb. Uh, bloodstains, uh, evidence of her death may be sufficient to charge him with murder at some point. Well, maybe, maybe, uh, we don't know. We're, uh, we're waiting and yeah. this is going to be, uh, it'll take a while. I would, uh, I guess once this, I, it uh, will take point. a while. Yeah. But, uh, that's, uh, very interesting about, because most people, uh, would think that, they are so certain that this is the guy that uh, had her, and he said that he did, and and uh, so on, that he would be the one person that uh, could tell them where the body is. Well, uh, there may be a, a point where they exchange that information for uh, a life in prison with no opportunity for parole. This will all play out over the next several months. Well, I the one that... Uh, that I'm kind of thinking about, I intend to ask uh, Justice uh, Steigman about this uh, tomorrow, but uh, a kid, federal kidnapping charge is uh, can be life in prison. That's correct, yes. And that, we don't have to worry about murder on that one. I mean, that, that would be a, that would be such a, a such a, a big charge there, and, and, and uh, I think that's, uh, who knows, I, I'm just like the rest of us, I'm, I'm just yeah. speculating, but... Uh, that's a possibility. Uh, thank you. I appreciate it, uh, Ken. Well, our uh, time is up. It's the uh, first hour. This is uh, something that's uh, going on in our community and has been going on for quite some time now. This is day 34 of the search. And there, of course, for a, a while, we didn't uh, have any idea what was happening until the affidavit where the FBI said uh, she is uh, dead. We are convinced of that. We'll talk about this more. We have more time on DWS in Champaign-Urbana. Welcome back to our number two of A Penny for Your Thoughts. I'm Jim Turpin. We're at 356-9397. Our text line is 3515-357. And as I promised, my guest in the uh, studio uh, during this hour is uh, John Foreman with the News Gazette. He now has the title, I believe, of Editor Emeritus. That means old, doesn't it? I think it does mean old, Jim. Uh, I'm pretty, they, pretty sure. It's, sometimes uh, they call me a legend. Uh, that's uh, Latin for has been. Has been. <laughs> or never will be. Never will be. <laughs> well, they had a little... Uh, Retirement reception the other day, which was uh, quite nice, and a lot of uh, people came to that, and so I guess that was uh, the uh, official day that said, okay, you are now retired, but you still got a lot of things going, do you not? You're on uh, a couple of boards and things like well, that. Well, I, I still have some involvement that's, um, um, uh, even though I'm unemployed, they will accept my voluntary labor. Uh, I'm still serving on the editorial board. Um, and uh, I remain on the board of directors of the newspaper. Um, the uh, I have served in the past ex officio on the foundation board that owns the the um, the company, and um, am um, you know some possibility I may continue to do that in the future as well. I want to talk to you a little bit about uh, your. Uh that that was uh, sort of the official. Maybe maybe that's the uh, 
the end line or close to it, what was the beginning line? What was the date that <laughs> well, you uh, first went to the News Gazette? Uh, offic- Although the date I first went to the News Gazette was in November of 1977. And I can't tell you specifically the, uh, the day, uh, but I can tell you that it was the first Saturday after Thanksgiving in 1977. I should go back and look it up at some point because I started at the absolute bottom of the barrel at the News Gazette as a part-time weekend reporter. Um, one of these guys that's hired to do all that stuff that sort of has to be done, um, you know, working at night on uh, Friday and Saturday when uh, all the real reporters got to go home. You had a lot of different uh, jobs along the way, didn't you? You sort of climbed up the ladder with uh, with uh, different jobs. Yeah, the they would kick they would kick me along every once in a while. Um, couldn't hold on to a job. Couldn't hang on to a job, and uh, you know, spent I guess the bulk of my career as an editor of one sort or another, an assigning editor or a administrative editor, and uh, then the last fifteen years really was uh, more of my attention was. Uh, spent on uh, general administration, uh, paper shuffler, uh, as general manager and then as publisher. Well, a lot of things have happened during that time. We'll get to some of those as we go along. What what was the best job you had at the paper? Oh, you know, I think the best job I had was a city editor, which goes way back to early 1980s. Um, that's the job that works hands-on with the reporting staff. Uh, that, it's, that's what that job was called then and has traditionally been called. I supervised all the reporters. So I worked uh, one-on-one with uh, all of them on story ideas and editing their copy and, and things like that. And that was... That was, that was really being uh, involved in getting the paper on the street. It is, as, it is as involved as you can possibly be, not only in the paper, but really in everything that's going on in Champaign-Urbana. Um, you know, if it's happening on the school beat, you have to stay intimately current with, the, with uh, what's going on in the schools because uh, you work with a school reporter every day. If it's in the courts, you're, you're involved with that. So um, those were the, uh, the longest and the most exhaustive uh, days, but they were also the most fun by far. There's a certain excitement about uh, coming onto a big story or something happening in the community and the, the uh, ability to, to get that out and get it right and get it in the paper so people can have it right away. Well, and, and that was a day when, um, you know, there was no online uh, news of any kind. So it was the radio station, the television stations, and, and us. And of those three, the one with the largest news gathering force was always the newspaper. Um, so you had the pressure of time to try and get something as fast as you could get it. Accuracy, which is part and parcel of the same thing. you it doesn't make any difference how fast you are if you weren't right. And uh, uh, plus some measure of depth and complexity. We always felt challenged to, you know, if the uh, 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 radio was able to report that uh, somebody had been indicted for a crime, uh, to be able to do more with that and provide more information or more context 
than the electronic media would have the time or the space uh, to do. So you had those three goals approaching really just about everything that happened. And those were right after the days uh, when it was a two-newspaper town, when we were head-to-head with another newspaper. And we were a competitive bunch, let me tell you, that uh, uh, we were all weaned on this idea that you had to be faster, you had to be writer, and you had to be better than the guys across the street. Uh, so uh, we took it pretty seriously. And at uh, that time, it was a getting it ready for the paper coming out, whether it had an edition or two, perhaps, but to get it out, and then you'd have to wait 24 hours for the next uh, the next uh, opportunity to do that. Now it's a 24-hour operation with the, yeah, it's with really the kind of really kind of nonstop now, depending upon the the level of the developments. Uh, as a practical matter, if you get a story, you file the story uh, online. Um, you update it as events dictate, and uh, you print it when that cycle comes around that it's time to print. Um, it, it's a very, very different process. Not not entirely unlike what radio always has been, where you have that capacity all the time, even if it's breaking in on syndicated programming or a list mm-hmm. of records that are playing, you can break in with new developments at any, at any time they occur. That's what the what the um, the internet gives to to newspapers. We're visiting with uh, John Foreman. Uh, John will uh, answer your uh, questions as we go along. If you have any, we're at three five six nine three nine seven. Our text is three five one five three five seven. We have a uh, Sean on the line. He has a question about the kidnapping. You want to get into that? Sure. You you have an opinion as well as anybody I else, don't you? I have as many opinions as anybody else does. Uh, Sean, uh, you have a question about the uh, the kidnapping. Uh, is this for Mr. Foreman? If it is, go ahead. Yeah, it's for both of you guys, or if you don't know, maybe one of the listeners. Okay. But my question is, regarding that kidnapping, will it be a local prosecutor that prosecutes this case, or will it be a federal prosecutor? It will be a federal prosecutor, although it will be a local federal prosecutor. If I can, uh, if I can make the distinction, there is a U.S. attorney for the Central District of Illinois, and that office will be in charge of the prosecution. Now, that's that will be a prosecutor. There likely will be more than one um, that you know may work regularly in the federal courthouse in Urbana or in the um, or in Springfield. I, I couldn't rightly tell you which U.S. attorneys have been involved to date. But they're not people from Washington, D.C. They are people who live and work in central Illinois, but they're not part of the state's attorney's office. They're, uh, uh, the, the feds have their own prosecutors. Okay, because I know some of the listeners are sort of expressing some frustration about how, you know, how things are going or how quick stuff's going and questions and stuff. But I've been trying to bring light for the last year on a murder case that's going right now in this county where they have a body, um, they have the weapon, tons of evidence, and a lot of witnesses. It's been going through the court system now for over a year and a half, and it's probably going to go for another year. Um, I just don't think the odds are very good in this county for victims and their families. Uh, you know, with high-paid lawyers, we have young prosecutors. Now, it's the reason my question was for who's going to be prosecuting this. Um, you know, this guy's retained a well-known lawyer that's in this community. Um, they have tons of experience. Uh, 
just don't know. I just uh, want to see if it's going to go a little different where this is a high-profile case, you know, being a foreign student and, you know, when the FBI is involved, federal um, prosecutors are involved and stuff. And Well, Sean, uh, I have uh, Justice uh, Steigman on tomorrow, and uh, some of these questions would be appropriate uh, for him if you happen to be around the radio tomorrow. Yep, sounds good. Well, I appreciate your guys' answer on, on my question. Yes. You bet. Uh, thank you very much. We need to take a break. We're back with uh, John Foreman right after this. We're back with uh, John Foreman, the editor emeritus of the News Gazette, three five six nine three nine seven. John is pleased to answer any questions you might have. I've just got started on mine, but uh, we are always uh, happy to have the uh, the audience uh, jump in as well. Uh, we were talking about. Uh, some of the uh, stories, some of the other murders and the other kidnappings and so forth. What, if you think back, and it's probably not a fair question to use the word uh, biggest, but what, what's the, what? I'll use it anyway. What what was the biggest uh, story you've ever been involved in at the paper? Yeah. It, that's really almost impossible to say because it covers such a wealth of... Uh, yeah, it's, it's more than of, crime. Of uh, stories and yeah. its involvements in different ways. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Um, What's the biggest crime story? Well, the biggest crime story that I was ever involved in uh, as a reporter, uh, intimately, were the uh, were the uh, shootings on uh, Interstate 57 of a Paxton police officer and a state trooper and a civilian by a set of brothers, the Lampkins. Uh, they were referred to for years. It probably doesn't mean much to people now, but simply as the I-57 murders it was a big shootout between uh, uh, police officers and uh, four brothers from Chicago who were uh, running guns, amongst other things. And uh, Was this at a rest stop or it something? Was at a, it was a traffic stop. Traffic stop. Actually, where uh, a state trooper tried to make a traffic stop and uh, cars refused to stop. Paxton police officer came to assist and um, guys got out of the car guns blazing and... Uh, um, it's quite a quite a sensational crime, but that's been almost 40 years ago. Uh, but uh, Tom Kasich and I were both relatively young reporters at that point, and uh, uh, we handled that for many years as that case was uh, uh, was uh, solved and tried, and retried and retried again, as it turns out. But um, the Lampkins. So that was the that was the the biggest, but you know, there are big stories of other kinds that... Uh, always a big um, story at the, at the U of I. There's always a big story at the U of I from a, from a criminal-type scandal, the Bob Parker financial crimes. I was a... Oh, that was a big one. I was an assigning editor on those. And, I believe uh, Lex Tate covered... Lex uh, Tate and John that. Erickson, two excellent reporters who just covered the devil out of that and... Uh, uh, still produced uh, one of the most uh, remarkable front page pictures I think and, uh, that I can recall from the News Gazette of the witnesses against Parker, who were uh, um, exotic dancers. I guess is the right word. Yeah, they spent a lot of from money the, up uh, from up this north, uh, yeah they? from this high end strip club where he had spent all the U of I's money uh, walking down this uh, this uh, sidewalk in a small. Uh, Illinois community where they had moved the trial, and uh, of course they were all bedecked in uh, 
you know, uh, fancy garb and furs and such as, uh, such as what, uh, just a real, uh, uh, real remarkable type uh, picture. But that was a big story, you know, to the, to the big good news stories, the, the, uh, you know, the Rose Bowls and the building the Beckman Institute and, uh, and there's plenty of good news that's also, uh, been all the, uh. The great uh, donations of uh, people like the Cranerts and uh, and others have uh, made. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah that's those, that's uh, that's exactly right. And those two people tend to focus. Um, uh, I'm not just talking about the, the the reporters now. I'm talking about the public. They tend to recall the sensational negative stories. But you know the the building of the Beckman Center was a huge, huge. It was the biggest donation that. that uh, that Illinois had ever received, and it was matched with real money from the state of Illinois. Um, those were the days. Those were the days. Can you imagine that when they no, would? Uh, they can't imagine The state anybody. would reach out with forty billion dollars and say, "Sure, let's let's go." Um, and uh, you know, if you remember it, significant demolition involved in that, and and a whole new idea of what you would use a university. Uh, a facility for this, and that's uh, still going on with the um, the Carl Illinois uh, Med School uh, involves uh, the Beckman and uh, a lot of the the people that are exactly. I mean, the the Carl Med School uh, story is a huge story. It, it there's a little edge off of it because there's not a physical presence. Mm-hmm. There's not a physical facility. Uh, you know, you can't reach out and touch that. someday you'll be able to, but but it it doesn't get quite the panache, but I think it, the implications for Champaign-Urbana are every bit as large. Yeah, that's a uh, a very interesting one. Uh, people trying to uh, figure out uh, the next uh, next step in medicine. Uh, how, how can how can we uh, merge the two, the engineers and all those uh, folks and the doctors together? Just, just think about it. You know, we're going to solve medical problems. We're going to use engineers to do it. Um, I mean, the whole concept is just kind of blows your mind when you think about it. But it's being done now, and, and there's more of it that's going to be done. We're visiting with uh, John Foreman. It's uh, 1030. We're going to uh, break for the news uh, headlines here with Brian Barnhart. We'll come back with uh, Mr. Foreman right after that and uh, take more of your calls. We're back with uh, John Foreman. He's the editor emeritus of the News Gazette, talking a little bit about uh, the paper, the involvement of uh, news gathering, uh, those uh, kinds of things. We're at 3569397. Speaking of uh, reporters, as we were during uh, that uh, break, you've got uh, four or five people, maybe, maybe more, that have been there for a real long time and have so much knowledge about uh, uh, the community and the particular area that uh, they are they're covering. And I'm talking about uh, Tom Casey and uh, Jim Dye, uh, Mary Shank, and uh, Deb Pressey. Uh, Julie is... Uh, Julie she, Worth. Is, yeah, well, I was just trying. To, she's covering. She's mainly covering the university. Mostly right? the university, right? Yeah. So the, those five. How many years would that be? With I mean, those all five of those people have been with the paper for a real long time. They all have, um, and, and and beyond their tenure, the length of their tenure, uh, 
they are all five excellent reporters. They're just they're they were good reporters, you know, the first uh, from the start and have, have become uh, progressively better ones. But collectively, those those five have easily 150 years of local experience working as reporters and writers in this community. And that is just stunning. Um, you broaden the, the the look a little bit more, and you have people like Melissa Murley, um, who has probably been with us 25 or 30 years now, covers the arts, is um, uh, prolific uh, in what she covers, uh, forgot things that I'll never know. Of course, you got uh, Lauren uh, Tate on the Lauren uh, Tate, side. other people in sports. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, well, Jim Rosso himself now is, has been with us for a long time. Jeff D'Alessio is starting to build up um, uh, quite a tenure with us. And, and there are others. It is really a resource that uh, no community this size in, in downstate Illinois and and boy, I'm going to say not a handful of communities this size in the country have a news gathering resource that is anything like that. It is just really, really striking in terms of the knowledge and the capabilities that exist there. When I was uh, on the road a lot with the uh, the basketball teams, we would uh, have a look at uh, the newspapers, all we could find when we went on the road, not only the well, the Ann Arbor paper when we would uh, go to play Michigan, but uh, also the Detroit uh, papers and uh, East Lansing and Iowa City and, and so on. And I just kind of thumbed through there. I said, boy, there's not much, not much local news in here. And then you go to the sports page, there wasn't much sports news either. And uh, it just made me, uh, once again, uh, you know, proud of... Uh, of uh, the uh, the paper we have here and the way we're able to, to do, the way you and your people down there are able to do things. Well, let me, let me say one thing about the environment that has permitted that to happen because that's the critical difference. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I don't know that, that uh, it's a little complicated and I don't know that people fully understand it, but uh, um, they are really beneficiaries. That when, I, when I say people, I mean the public. They're really beneficiaries of a structure that was put in place a long time ago now that has allowed them to have these independent news gathering uh, resources. You know, we our ownership was family ownership until 2003 of a family that was very committed to the proposition that newspapers, radio stations need to be run by the community. They, they have to be local. And uh, they believed that. They believed it in, in, intensely. And uh, when the last member of that family, Marriage and Stivic Kennego, died, she put all of her stock in the News Gazette and in WDWS and the other radio stations into a foundation, created a foundation that would own that stock uh, with a dual charge. One is that it provided the best local newspaper, radio station information it could for the people of Champaign-Urbana. Champaign-Urbana had allowed the creation of this company. She wanted Champaign-Urbana to be the beneficiary of this company. And then if we made profits, 
they would be divided between um, other local foundations. Now, both those have been in place since 2003 at this point. And while other newspapers have had this horrible, horrible erosion of their news gathering resources, and, and let me tell you, all of them, including this one, uh, are under intense financial pressure. So I mean, there's no point hiding from that fact. But in other places, by big corporations, um, you know, the largest owner of newspapers in this country now are hedge funds. Um, it's stunning, but it's true. Really? Uh, yeah. Uh, and, and they have no interest in the long-term investment of, in communities or in news gathering. They're just trying to find a way to make a dollar out of these properties. Um, and our, our corporate structure is entirely different than that. We're trying first to be really good at what we do. And then if we make a dollar, we're going to give that away. Um, and what it allows you to create are these communities of tremendously talented people who are, you know, trying to, trying to do this thing. It's not easy, and it, and it certainly is not lucrative in this day and age. But uh, so far, it's been possible, and... and you know, the, the Marriage and Civic Foundation, I believe, is among the most important institutions in this community uh, because of what it makes possible in that regard. And you talk about unsung heroes. Uh, I, I, could, I could go on about the people who have served on that board and have done that work uh, for these, gee, we're, you know, we're closing down on 15 years now, I guess, uh, um, that that's been in place, and it has made how, all the difference. How unique is this arrangement in, in the newspaper business? It's almost absolutely unique. It's not without precedent. There's a it's kind of a similar arrangement was done in St. Petersburg, Florida, many years ago um, with a different beneficiary, but with the same general the same general goal. It's been done in Manchester, New Hampshire, again, a family ownership where they simply did not believe that the newspaper should be owned by someone who wasn't local and uh, has since been uh, replicated in Anniston, Alabama, uh, New London, Connecticut. So there are a few that are, that are finding this model and trying to make it, trying to make it work. And, and uh, they're all doing better in terms of the quality of their products than the average corporate-owned newspaper or radio station, I will say. Let's take a call. This is uh, Gary. Good morning, Gary. Good morning, Jim. Good morning, John. got a question for you on the nature of reporting itself. I'm thinking, are the journalism schools now approaching news coverage, particularly for newspapers, in somewhat of a different fashion, or is the, the makeup of a newspaper story about the way it was presented, say, 30 or 40 years ago? Well, I think the answer to, to both of your questions is yes. I think that the young people are being prepared differently. Um, and they're being prepared for a wider range of news gathering experience. You know, at, at this point, uh, a reporter, when, when I started, you had to be able to spell and you had to be able to type. Um, <laughs> All reporters now, there's some expectation that they'll be able to take pictures uh, and they'll carry around a phone in their pocket that allows them to take pictures, uh, maybe take video, uh, maybe prepare video stories. 
they're being looked at to do things that they were never looked at to do. And I can remember when this was first being done in newspapers, and I'll tell you, reporters hated it. You know, we were uh, we were pencil and notebook guys. You right. Know, you want a no. photograph? Go call a photographer. <laughs> Uh, and the photographers felt the same way, by the way. But now, now our people cross over and do things. We have radio reporters now uh, who will write a story for the newspaper. And mm-hmm. they do it quite comfortably. They do it quite well. They break the story. They just take it on through and do it for the newspaper in addition to the radio. And we have uh, newspaper reporters on the radio all the time. They're doing videos. They're doing podcasts. They're doing uh, uh, photographs. And the, and the journalism schools have seen that coming and have have exposed them. There used to be a track for, if you're going to be a radio reporter, you take these courses. If you're going to be a newspaper reporter, you take these. Right, yeah. Um, and uh, that's blended much more than it used to be. And and these kids come out with computer skills, uh, online skills, social media awareness, far beyond anything that I have. Yeah, there seems to be quite a bit of difference. Do you think there's a trend towards more abbreviated stories. I'm thinking some of the stories you see in the major newspapers tend to run page after page after page, and you tend to get lost in a lot of the size stuff. Right. Uh, I can tell you that the fashion um, in a lot of the industry is to make everything shorter, tighter, um, uh, presented in smaller bites, and that's partly related to the way people can seem to consume information. The big metro papers do, do still write some really long stories. Yeah, they do. And we do, too, from time to time. But uh, there are far fewer of them than there, than there used to be. I mean, um, you know, when I was a, a reporter and, and writing on a big story, nobody ever told me to make it shorter. <laughs> I could, If I had the information, you just kept going. You know, it's... Uh, um, we wrote some really, really long stories. Uh, and I don't know that that's what people mostly want uh, these days. Well, I think, you know, obviously you're competing with a lot of the cable news broadcasts that run maybe 15 to 20 words to cover a whole story. And uh, so I would assume that that's part of what you've got to deal with and, and uh seemed to me that you're doing a pretty good job of it. Well, you know, if you think about it, a lot of people consume information on their telephone now. Yeah, um, they look at the they look at the news uh, on their phone. Well, nobody sits down and 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 reads a story that's uh, you know ten thousand words on their telephone. They, it's a sentence, two sentences, three sentences, yeah. four. That's all we want. Yeah. And uh, for some people, that's considered getting the news. Or yeah. they can look on uh, Twitter and uh, or on Twitter uh, for less than that. <laughs> <laughs> hey, thank you, Gary. Well, we appreciate it very much. We need to take a break here. And we'll uh, have uh, John Foreman up until 11 o'clock this morning at 356-9397 after this break. Ten fifty. it's 83 degrees here at the Radio Center. We're visiting with uh, John Foreman from the News Gazette. We're at 356-9397. Are you going to write any uh, columns yourself now that you are, quote, retired? Well, I don't know. People love your stuff. I mean, they they call and tell me they do, and I hear conversations about it all the time. Well, I uh, thank you for for saying that. That's that's kind, and people and people do uh, 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 ask about that that quite a bit. And and to be honest with you, I haven't uh, I haven't decided. You know, I haven't been offered the job. 
for one thing. I'd have to go apply. But um, um, it may be that I do some of that in the future. And you're going to spend a little time with your uh, fountain pens? I'm going to spend a little time with my fountain pens. I've already been spending quite tell, a bit tell, of time with Tell people about pens. that. I think that's uh, you, uh, fascinating. See, I don't know many you, people that are doing that, you, what you're doing. You hard interviewers drag out these dirty secrets in people. But, I, I yes, I collect <laughs> fountain pens, and my uh, hobby is repairing and restoring old fountain pens to their previous glory so i uh i buy and sell and trade fountain pens and repair fountain pens uh, all the time it's my uh it's my obsession Jim. i bet a lot of people out there say, i've known john foreman forever i didn't know he did that yeah there's a lot of them who know he does too it's uh, <laughs> just considered one of my personality quirks the move of the uh, radio station uh, and uh, radio station personnel. Well, what's the theory about this uh, move and the consolidation of uh, radio newspaper and sales and news and so forth? We're, we're kind of well, going back. We started down there yeah, uh, 80, coming, 80 years ago. Coming back to where you belong. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, I think it's, uh, it's uh, the first time I heard it, I thought it was a little bit on the wacky side, to be honest with you. But... Uh, but I really am, am growing excited about it. First of all, it's a chance for all new studio equipment for the, the radios. We get to update everything. But we also take these two um, information providers who uh, uh, individually are the top of their industries. You know, we're, we're, the, we're the two best news delivery organizations in Champaign-Urbana. And we're going to put them under one roof, and we're going to encourage them to work together even more um, and uh, try to grow stronger. The fact is that we've both contracted because of financial constraints. We have room where we didn't used to have room uh, to put in fancy new studios, and um, we'll have... uh, reporters that we encourage to work together and collaborate side by side. The other thing that doesn't get talked about as much is on the uh, the commercial side of operations. Uh, between the two of us, we offer just about any kind of uh, advertising, marketing expertise that a business could ever ask for. And, the, and expert guidance in how to use those things, whether it's social media, whether it's online, whether it's print, whether it's magazines, whether it's radio, um, even video. Uh, we're, we're quite good at all those things, and we make them all available. So it should be possible for a mom-and-pop business who is trying to, to do their thing, you know, sell their product, uh, uh, their tires or their hamburgers or whatever it is and, and doesn't have time to have a marketing force to come to us and say, well, you know, I need some help finding more people to buy tires, more people to buy hamburgers. I don't know if I can afford to do full pages in the newspaper or not. I don't know if I can afford to have a schedule on the radio. What's the best way for me to do that? And we have people who... Uh, we intend to have expertise in all of those areas 
that may guide them on effective use of social media to tell their story. Uh, maybe that includes a little bit of radio. Maybe it includes a little bit of newspaper. Maybe it includes some online. Maybe it doesn't. Um, you know, really an ability to offer whatever it takes to help drive business to your business. And the combined expertise of the sales staffs is, is really quite, quite stunning. So it, it creates kind of a one-stop shop for, uh, for those people who uh, need to market a business. It's a little bit uh, like an advertising agency, isn't it? It really is a little bit like an advertising agency. We have the largest audience collectively uh, of anyone by far. I mean, it's huge when you factor in the online and the social media audiences. To the If you add that to the print and the radio and so on and so forth, nobody has the number of eyes and ears or anywhere close to the number of eyes and ears that we can provide. So the question is, most people don't need to buy every one of them, but can we help them find the piece that's right for their particular business? Uh, and I think we can. I think we can, we can do that very well and we can solve problems. Even if it comes down to my little fountain pen business, Jim, I need to do some marketing. Um, we can help you. Even even of even of that, <laughs> but I can't afford a big radio schedule or uh, or an insert in the news gazette. So I need to f- help finding other ways to to do that. You like living in this community. I you? love living in this community. That's why I am living in this community. I've had some opportunities to live in other ones, and and this is a special place to me. All the way from. Atwood? Came all the way from Atwood, so this is the big city. Uh, actually, I came from Hammond. You always accuse me of being from Atwood, and Hammond is suburban Atwood. Okay, well, where, uh, where were you born? I was born in Decatur, but, but I was... Uh, Got out of there quicker. So well, come. within three or four days, so whatever, <laughs> they would let you out at that, at that time. Uh, and, uh, but my, my uh, parents' home was in Hammond, Illinois. What would you, uh, we only got a couple of minutes here and probably another unfair question, but if uh, I made you king for a day, what improvement would you make in this uh, community? What uh, what are we lacking or something that we could uh, maybe uh, do better? Oh, my gosh. I mean, I couldn't say a thing. I could I could make a list of things mm-hmm. that I wish we would there, there's a column do as a, as a community, but, but you could make that list uh, as well, you know, um, it's a good community. There are ways in which it could become a better community. I think most of us know what some of those things might be. But I really think it's a spectacular community that can only really um, uh, be made a little better. Not so many uh, assets, uh, not the least of which is the the University of Illinois. Without the University of Illinois, this would be... uh different community well i tell people that without the university of illinois this would be tolono uh there was actually a time i i like local history as well there was actually a time where there was some uh some debate some uh, uh interaction of whether the big community in champaign county was going to be champaign or tolono and well we got the university and uh, uh they didn't and uh, therein lies like the, therein uh, lies the difference. A little bit uh, like the railroad with the Champagne and Urbana. It's exactly, it's exactly right. <laughs> it's exactly right. 
um, you know, rivers, railroads, big universities, uh, um, and and that's what makes us different than a Decatur or a Danville or a Peoria or a, or a, any of those places because our primary industry is uh, is uh, education. Well, John, our time is up. Uh, thanks so much for uh, coming out this morning, and maybe we can do this again every once in a while now that you're uh, retired. And whenever you say, Jim, I got nothing to do. I'm just I'm unemployed, and I'm happy to I'm happy to come on. John Foreman's uh, been my guest. Uh, he's uh, the editor emeritus of the News Gazette here on WDWS in Champaign-Urbana.